Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the House of Pod. My name is Kave. (laughs) That's not how you actually start your podcast, is it? (laughs) The House of Pod, yeah. My name is Kave. I think that's how you pronounce it. I am the host of this little fun-ish medical podcast today. It's not little. It's average size. It's a good size. Average size. It'll work. <laughs> It'll do the trick. That voice you're hearing is the 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 gentleman who will be helping me co-host this episode. You haven't met him yet. I'm very excited for you guys to meet him. And uh, it's a subject that's near and dear to my heart. And joining us today, we are going to have two guests. But before that, I have a special guest, a special special little buddy who is going to join us today. <laughs> we have. Shaheen Davari. Shaheen, welcome to the Hi. show. Hey everybody. It's so nice to be here. I, I'm thrilled. I've been your I've been your little buddy now for uh more, more than a decade. More, almost two decades. Well, well, can you explain to people how we know each other? Because oh, actually they have met your people on the show have heard your brother before. If they've been yeah. listening long enough, they've heard your brother once or twice. So yeah. Uh, how how but tell us how we know each other. Go on. Well, I just realized it's now actually more than two decades. I, I met you when I was a sophomore in high school in 2002 or 2003, something like that, mm-hmm. when you were in med school with my brother. And yeah. I came out to, I think, see the Renaissance men play a concert, maybe? The band was called The Resurrection Men. That's what I said. That That's was what my said. band. That's the music you heard in the intro and the music you hear on the show. Not the Renaissance men. We weren't like at a fair. We weren't playing loots. It was resurrection. I said resurrection. Okay, we'll go back. We'll we'll listen to that again. In fairness, the word erection is in there. And so I should have thought. It it should have been automatic for you. Automatic. You you know, the funny thing is, you're right. I met you. You were a very young man and you're now like in your 50s, but you will. But in my mind, you're still like 16. Yeah. That's I great. just can't believe it. That's, that's what happens. People pause in your brain with the moment you meet them, especially when you're already an adult. You were yeah. already, you know, in your 30s, I guess. How old were you when you were in med school? No, I wasn't like that old. I look like I'm in my 30s. I look like I was in my 30s when I was in like 15. Like yeah. I just have had that. I have city miles exactly on me. you the same as when you were in med school. You don't look a day over whatever. I kind of stopped like you at that age. And then I just kind of like, I'm there. I'm stuck there, which is I hope last for long enough. Um, uh, tell tell people uh so anyways your, your brother bobby yeah. davari he is a doctor i went to medical school with him he's been on the show a couple times good friend of mine and because um of of him i was able to meet you and i've always looked yeah. at you as like a little uh cousin if at least i wouldn't say little brother, brother. I, to be honest, being realistic i don't see you enough to 
to say little brother. I feel that way, but if I'm being like, it's it's more like it is family. It's a family oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, the connection doesn't hurt. Very uh, connected. You you that. actually are responsible for me not shaving my chest hair anymore. Oh wow! I feel like yeah. I did something important there. When did that happen? I mean, I don't know. The like the last time I like I don't know it was maybe six seven years ago. And you were like, dude, what is this shit? You're Persian. Just be Persian. And I yeah. thought, oh, you're right. You're right, man. You're right. And it looks good on you. I'm not going to. Uh, so people hopefully will have a, a picture to go on the uh, when I post this uh, video. It's you have a, my chest hair. If we could. Yes. You have a, <laughs> such a beautiful beard. You have like the most classic old school, like Cyrus the Great beard, like just noble and regal Listen, in appearance. I appreciate that. Also. Yeah. inspired by your twitter post where right. you took a picture and posted of a yassified of a cyrus the great yes yeah. and i thought okay i want to look like that for sure let's do that uh, and i was going to do a halloween costume out of it but yeah well it the you could still do that maybe I, for listeners also you may have seen shaheen at some point in the past he had a little video that went viral about what five six years ago was it yeah, it makes the rounds every year now because it's a it's a Halloween video where I'm just throwing <laughs> hucking candy at children standing outside my door. It is uh, hilarious. I love the video. I know. So really kids fun. come up to the door and Shaheen's just like chucking uh, candy at them, sometimes over his shoulder, sometimes behind his back. And it's just everyone, most people love it. 99% of people love it. And then there's always like some people who are posting like, I can't believe he's doing that. If he did that to my kids, I'd beat his ass. But the kids all love it. Everyone's enjoying it. Everyone's having the a blast. The parents did too. The parents all had a really good time. We had people come and knock on the door afterwards and kids came back multiple times. Uh, it is weird though. The, the reason it happened is because I wasn't getting any trick-or-treaters. I spent like $80, $90 the first time I had the opportunity to have trick-or-treaters in my life. And I went and bought all this candy and it's like 730 at night and I'd gotten one kid and I'm like, I got to get rid of all this candy. Otherwise I'm going to end up eating it. And so decided, all right, you're getting fistfuls of candy now. Desperation. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it was brilliant to film it. Yeah, so it look for that. You'll you'll see Shaheen and see what he looks like if you're interested. So anyways, the reason I'm having you on the show today, other than the fact that I love you and I just like seeing you and it's an excuse for us to hang out, um, is that I want to get non-doctors on the show to help me with some opinions and to get some takes. And you are as, as as smart a guy as I know, and I, I want to hear what an educated non-doctor thinks about certain things. Oh, before we go any further, if you haven't, please uh, check out our, our iTunes and rate and review us if you haven't already. I'll appreciate that. Um, don't don't and, rate and review if you're not like into it, though. Just maybe keep that opinion to yourself. Yeah, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would rather they say something good. Yeah, that would okay. be nice. But if they have constructive criticism, I'm willing to hear it. I am willing to hear it. Um, people email me constructive criticism all the time, but it's just like certain things I can't do much about. Like, uh, like you should be a woman. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I or, that. yes, I've thought or, about it. Anytime, or, they, or they should be like, you should die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so look at that. The internet's such a crazy place, man. People just say things because they think there's no real human. None of these people would ever have yeah. the balls or even really the, the, I don't even think they're that actually mean. Like if no. they saw you in person, no. there's no shot that they would you, say these things to you. I got death threats for throwing candy at kids like a pinata yeah. never fucking existed before. And <laughs> anytime I actually contacted these people because they would post it under the video. But yeah. I would reach out and say, hey, listen, I'm a person. You I'm just a real person here. Yeah. And what's the deal? They would go, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like their yeah. first reaction 99% of the time was, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's okay. Just know that, like, there are people behind the things that you're saying that are going to read the things that you're saying because it's my 15 minutes of fame and I am incredibly into myself. So I'm yeah. going to read what you say. Yeah. And and, I'm not and, so I'm not so big that I I'm not so big that I don't do that. I'm not right. I to, I'm so small that like I read everything that everything. comes across. Like, yeah. yeah. And 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 it's funny too, because like with this show, like I'll find that some some of the some of the criticism is like, I don't know, are they negging me? I can't tell. It's like people who they they, <laughs> they, they want, want to be attention. They yeah. kind of do, and they'll be like, and one person was like, Oh my god, it's so cute the way I'm I'm assuming this with the voice sounds like it's yeah. so cute the way you have that little lisp. And I'm like, <gasps> I'm like, what? Yeah, you, you have this little lisp. It's so adorable. I love it. I'm like, I've always I, I have what? I'm like, what? I have a, and I'm like, 
I'm like, no, I don't have one. And then I, I'm like, I don't have one. And and then like I I um I reach out to uh, Cody Johnston from the show uh, Even More News. I'm like, dude, I've been on your show. Do I have a lisp? He's like, mm, I don't think so. But more importantly, why the fuck are you listening to what people are saying about you online? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's, that's a very very good point. Very good. It was point crazy, man. It did weird things to my brain because it made me realize like, oh man, we really as humans we do not understand numbers we do not understand percentages that you can mm. read through 150 comments that are positive and one comment that's negative and you leave that session of reading comments going oh i'm a, i'm i'm a piece of shit i yeah absolutely I, it's, absolutely it's crazy dude you so many people lol laughing like people tagging their friends and none of that mm. makes any impact you don't give a shit no. about any of that no no that's that one, one person, person. Mm -hmm. Man, your 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 beard was actually uneven, and yeah. I'm sitting there in the mirror for an hour and a half trying to figure it out. So, uh, did you notice that one of your eyes is a little higher than the other? Yeah, yeah. Dude, well, like, now damn. I fucking do. Thank you so much. Yeah, every day I look in the mirror. All right, buddy. I am super excited. I know that you must be as well. Uh, we're going to talk to some experts in sleep. We're going to speak to some medical experts in sleep. Uh, they I come have from so many questions. I know. I do too. And they and they they come from different areas of medicine, which is kind of cool. We have Dr. Chris Winter and we have Dr. Seema Kosla. They're both going to speak to us about sleep, answer some questions that you and I have. Some I got from listeners as well. Uh, I think this is going to be really exciting. So everyone stay tuned. Remember, if you haven't already, please like, subscribe and leave reviews for me on iTunes for the show. I appreciate that. Follow us at The House of Pod. Thank you to Nadine for helpful production. And uh, all right, stay tuned. Here we go. Let's get in. We're back. Oh my goodness, Shaheen. This is this is exciting because you've always wanted to you've told me ever since I've known you, you've said to me you want to talk to sleep doctors. I have right? so many questions. Well, I, so I have questions. questions. I did a whole I did a whole thing on sleep. It's like very important to me. It wasn't very important to me yeah. in my 20s. Well, it's now, never important to you in your 20s. Now I'm giving you, I'm giving to you as a gift, because I love you, two amazing sleep doctors. I we can't. have Dr. Seema Kosla, FCCP, F-A-A-S-M-P-I-M-P, G-O-D. We also have Dr. Chris Winter with all the same acronyms uh, behind his name. What do those mean, guys? Let's start with Seema. First of all, thank you so much for coming. What what are Tell us about these, these titles you have because they're exciting. Are they exciting? I think so. I guess in our world. <laughs> It is. So the FAASM is probably one that Chris and I have in common. Uh, and that is just a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, which is our society. You know, sleep is a really, really small world. Mm. And so it just is sort of a measure that you have contributed in some way to your field. And what about the other one? What, 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 so Chris, you have a couple of different ones there. What are yours? What are your titles? Uh, um, so I'm a neurologist. So I'm a diplomat of the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology, which is sort of in a, the board dates back to a period of time when they sort of certified both neurologists and psychiatrists. So I'm not a psychiatrist, even though the board historically has that that name. And then I'm a diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine, which is the old sleep medicine board. It's it's now defunct, even though if you have it, you're sort of recognized for life. Most newer doctors are certified through like the American board of psychiatry and neurology sleep test, which I was certified for a period of time. And then I got into an argument with somebody on the phone because I thought the way they handled our recertification was laborious and expensive and ridiculous. And I said, you know what? I just, I don't want it anymore. Why does this not surprise <laughs> so, me? <laughs> I, have, I have now dropped. I love that. it. The guy's really like, "Listen, man, this is unnecessary." <laughs> right. So I used to be a double board certified sleep doctor, but now I'm back to being just a single board certified sleep doctor. No better than anybody else. Oh, I was. Man. I used to be somebody, but not you know what? Other. Though that sleep board was tough. So I did pulmonary, so internal medicine, pulmonary care, and sleep, like the old sleep board, yep. and then the new sleep board, and that old sleep board was so it was the hardest exam I've ever done. So, so, you, it, so you, you were boarded in the, you did the ABSM. Mm -hmm. Oh, you look so young. You know, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was really tough. They had a 
they had an oral part and then a written. It was it was awful. It was a really difficult. Terrible. Board. I didn't do the oral, but I did the written. It was like two yeah. days in Chicago. It was terrible. Yep, that's right. Yeah. I spent the <laughs> you night know, before line, I was in a bathtub. <laughs> this is already going off the rails. Body. You both, you both nerding out. This is a new record. Are we like off the rails in like eight minutes? This is a new record. Good job. Went off real you, quick. you two are double boards, triple board certified, and I read one Forbes article that told me that I have bad sleep habits. So we're basically <laughs> same on this page. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, no tomato. So hold on. The first one of the first things I wanted to bring up, I think you guys have already highlighted, which is you can get to sleep medicine through different routes. It sounds mm -hmm. like you can through you went through poem critical care, Seema. Yep. And and Chris, you went through you went through neurology. Are there other ways of doing it? I mean, can you go pretty much any way? And how do is it just the test you need to take, or is there like a, no, a special a year? It's one of my favorite parts about our field is you can come at it like we're this, I mean, not big, but a little umbrella and we like to include everybody. So if you're like otolaryngology, if you're internal medicine, you can go straight into a sleep fellowship. We have psychiatry. We have a cardiology group. We have an endocrine person I've been trying to convince to do with sleep boards. Peds? Is, is that Peds? Because... Oh my gosh. How could I forget Peds? Of course. Yes. They're easy to forget. Is that because oh, stop. sleep kind of invades every Part of health is that why you can kind of approach it from every different angle i i don't know that i picked the word invade sure. <laughs> but i would it's, say that it spills invasive. into you okay. know that any so you pick an organ like pick yeah. a body part and there's some sleep related thing with it even the spleen even the eyeballs okay. All right. Ooh, Eyeballs. Okay. All right mm -hmm. all right let's we're, we're gonna get to some of this but real, <laughs> real quick all pediatrician hate mail Please send to Dr. Christopher Winter. It was him <laughs> said that about Pete's. Let me start by asking you, let's start with you, Chris. Um, can I call you Chris, first of all? Please. Okay. Uh what is, what 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 is what is sleep? Tell me what's what is sleep? What is, what it? is it? What is why it? Why do we do it? Why? How do you do it? Um how, we'll get why? to how. What is why? it and then why? What is it? And then no, you do the what, Seema will do the why. Yeah, she's got the tougher question, I think. I mean, I think sleep is a neurological state, really, that, that we cycle through approximately once every 24 hours. It's a relatively quiet state. You know, it's a it's a place where, you know, different things, it's an active, you know, things are happening in the brain. People always say, I wish I could turn my brain off. And your brain really isn't turned off when you sleep. So it's just sort of a different state that our body sort of cycles through and, the why or why we do it and the exact mechanism of it. We know it's super important. You die when you don't have it, but in terms of what it's actually doing and, and, and I don't know, but I bet SEMA does. Well, so it's funny because you've hit on something really important. I think obviously, I mean, no surprise, right? Um, sometimes we try to figure out why we do something by looking at what happens if we don't do it. Right. And so we know if you selectively sleep deprive a rat of REM sleep, they get, even if they get the same total amount of sleep, they eventually get in a couple of weeks, they get septic and they die. So there's something really fundamentally important about sleep. You know, we know that sleep is really important for memory. So if we look at, you know, I think years ago we heard, I don't know if you were there too, Chris, probably we heard Dr. Seisler talk about sleep. He was the expert witness in the Michael Jackson trial. And so he talked about how Michael Jackson had this terrible insomnia, right? And he just started getting really disoriented and he couldn't regulate his temperature. And he had this cardiologist that traveled with him who gave him propofol to sleep. And so Dr. Seisler equated the idea of using propofol for sleep as eating cellulose and food. So if you eat cellulose, you will feel full, but it has no nutritive value. Just the same as if you get sleep by propofol, oh. you are not tired, but you miss all of that restorative nature of sleep. And so Michael Jackson became very paranoid. He couldn't regulate his temperature. He was freezing. His makeup artist had to bring him, you know, a blanket and a heater. He couldn't remember the lyrics to songs he had written. And so they figured out that he actually died of sleep deprivation brought on by propofol. But it was it was the the propofol that put him into like cardiac arrest mm -hmm. or something. Or like well, actually I don't know the story of what happened to him. I do know that it's propofol nights. related. Yeah, 60 nights of propofol infusion. 
And then he coded. And Dr. Conrad Murray went to jail for, you know, a couple couple of years out of a four-year sentence. Wow. And just like mm-hmm. she said, you know, infection and sepsis, one of the big things you see with, with sleep deprivation is arrhythmia uh, and, and, and sort of cardiac instability. And, and certainly that's probably what did him in. So I guess my next question is how much do we need? Is everyone a little different? Is there some bare minimum? How is that determined? How much we need, absolutely need? Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of like caloric intake. You know, you could throw out every, you know, the average American, you know, adult male needs 2,200 calories. I'm making that up, but you know, really oh, it's I a wish. lot deeper than, what's that? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish. I, I have no idea if that is even close to what it did. Please don't, I'm not here to give diet advice, but you know, it's sort of, <laughs> but you know, if you're a swimmer or something, or you're a, chi- a retired sure. accountant, yeah. You know, who sits around watching hot bench all day, like it really changes how much you need. And I think sleep sort of like that. So I think we run into trouble in general in medicine when we start applying an average to an individual. And, and that's where it comes. So, you know, I think it's, you know, if somebody says, well, then I feel like I need three hours of sleep, that's probably well below what you actually need. And, and being able to function on a certain amount of sleep and being in a healthy place with your sleep are really two different things. And and you don't have to spend too much time walking around a hospital at night to figure that out. You run into a trauma surgeons like, as long as I get one hour of sleep, I'm good to go. And I don't know if that's the case. And I certainly don't want you taking my organs out if you've gotten one hour of sleep, but you know, belief plays a role there. And certain people are better at sleep deprivation than others. But I mean, I think you can throw eight as a pretty decent average for an adult, but just understand that you know, if you kind of look at that bell curve distribution and looking at seven and nine, that probably constitutes about 70% of adults in that seven to nine hour range, which means 30% of people might be outside of that need a little, you know, require less or need more. And that's where the problems in clinics really come. You know, somebody's trying to get more sleep than they actually need or get by on less. And both of those are equally problematic, I think. How do you figure out what your, what your, need for sleep is what's the way to, that I figure it out? Cause I probably get around seven a night. And sometimes I feel that sleep guilt. I don't know if y'all have people with that. <laughs> where like, you know, they're doing the counting like nine, 10, 11, 12. Sleep math. Yeah. And feel like, shit, I didn't get my eight hours. And now it's even harder for me to fall asleep. So how do I figure out what the amount of time sleep time that I need is? Isn't that funny? Because you're right. We we learned a lot about this with the 10,000 steps, right? Like that's not magic for everyone. Just like Chris right. said, we all have a different, and even within our own person, that'll vary. Like if you're sick or if you've like sat around not doing anything all day, right? So mm-hmm. I think the easiest way, at least for me and Chris, I, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it is, do you wake up spontaneously? Do you mm-hmm. feel rested? Right. Then you're probably getting enough sleep. I wake up having to pee and then I can't go back to bed. Okay. Because I have anxiety like everybody else so how do i you're you're so young and you're such a mess already i can't believe it holy shit when you're our age you're gonna be a fucking nightmare i listen i've been working on it i've been meditating i've been on mountaintops i've been doing all kinds of things it's helping a little bit i've been stretching before bed i feel like that helps but the like eight hour sleep thing what are you stretching to help with the urination i'm just curious No, uh, I'm not stressing to help. I, you know what? I stopped drinking the the fizzy water. The fizzy water has got to go if you're taking pisses in the middle of the night. Fizzy no water? Pisses. Yeah, man. Fizzy water. What are you seven? What does that mean? Fizzy water. Oh my gosh! I call it fizzy water too. So don't be too harsh. Yeah. The Lacroix. Lacroix. Yeah. Lacroix. Crikey! It sounds like you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to sleep, though. Yeah, I I read that Forbes article. I'm telling you, it's in my brain the whole time now. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's like performance anxiety, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you're wow. trying to control something, it, it's like it's kind of. I saw some of this on Twitter. Maybe Chris, did you put this out? I don't remember, but they said sleep was like a cat. Mm. So the more you try to get the cat to play with you, the more it ignores you. So if yeah. you just leave it alone, the cat will come. Like sleep. That will sounds come. like that sounds like Jade Wu. It wasn't you think me, so? but. That sounds like something that she would say. Yeah. I've come back on my Twitter, very, so I, I can't tell you. Very zen little 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 things that you're like, yeah, yeah, it is like ch- chasing a cat. He, he did touch that. on meditation, though. Is that something you recommend for patients? Mm-hmm. What what are your recommendations for patients who come in? And and the sleep problems are not medical ones. We can talk. I want to talk about that, too. But like it's sure. you've rolled out obstructive sleep apnea or a physical ailment or a bladder issue, whatever. 
Um, what are your recommendations in that situation? Well, I think Chris I would like probably meditation. agree. We try to tailor it, right? Like everybody yeah. is so different. So if you, you know, if you come in and I start talking about meditation and you look at me like I have three heads, well, that's not going to work for you, mm. right? So we have to find something that you are receptive to, something that works within the confines. Like it, or else it turns into a chore, kind of like you're describing, right? Oh, I got to get my meditation in and I got to walk and I got to do this. And I, oh, what time do I stop my caffeine, right? It becomes like this full-time job. And we really want to take the pressure off. And so we we kind of reverse engineer it. So your wind down routine isn't just, you know, wash your face and, you know, turn off the lights. You kind of reverse engineer it for when do you exercise? When do you have your last meal? When do you stop your caffeine? And gradually ease into it, right? Like you can't go 90 miles an hour to zero. That's unrealistic. You have to let your brain decompress. And what does that look like for you? Chris, what, you were going to say something as well? that go along with your thoughts? She's exactly right. I mean, I think that meditation carries with it weight. Um, And it's not necessarily good weight. You know, it's sort of, um, I don't, I have no idea what the the analogy is that when you say it, it, you know, it's like, oh, meditation, that's sort of touchy feely that you've got some sort of om and mantra or whatever. But really it's just about, to me, helping an an individual understand that we think of sleep as very, black and white, that if you're in bed awake, it's terrible and you're hurting yourself and you've got to get to sleep. I always think that the worst thing that we can do is kind of equate speed of unconsciousness with healthy sleep. It's like, I'm a great eater. Why are you a great eater? Because I can eat my dinner in four minutes or less most nights if I'm really concentrating. Like that makes, that seems kind of weird to me. Like, why would you think that makes you a nutritious person because you can eat your dinner fast? So speed with which you fall asleep is irrelevant to me. And so what can you control? You can control being in bed. You can control being relaxed. You can control, you know, mindfulness and all these things. We just, I just did a podcast on what actually increases deep sleep. And there was a great German study that thinking about relaxing words increases deep sleep. Thinking about yourself as being in a submarine and going deeper into the ocean as you fall asleep increases deep sleep. Sarah Medic did a study with young people where they did progressive relaxation techniques before a nap and then others didn't increase deep sleep. So I don't know that any of these techniques are necessarily better or worse, but it's that idea of, are you moving towards your bed, either when you go to bed at night or finish going to the bathroom after the fizzy water at night with optimism and enthusiasm, clarity, happiness, or is it dread and fear and all the things that Michael Jackson, I'm sure was going through when he was thinking about trying to go to bed and not having great success, you know, in in whatever metric he was using. So I think that that wow. that that ability to sort of control, like I can get in bed and close my eyes and relax. I can control that right now. I can do it for you if you want me to. But mm. getting in bed and going to sleep right now, not necessarily in my control. So the sooner we can get people outside of this metric of trying to control that, the better. Wow, being a sleep doctor makes you so poetic and eloquent. Is yeah. like <laughs> is this part of the training? Yeah. You guys are right. good. So. <laughs> let's let's take a step back then. I, I mean, that was all very useful stuff. Uh, but let's take a step back. When someone comes to you and they say, I'm having sleep problems, what are the first medical things that you feel that you need to rule out or or figure out before you get to some of the stuff we just spoke about? What are the things you go through? You know, I think I think we try to separate out, don't you think, Chris, if, is it a nighttime problem or sort of a daytime problem? Meaning, is it a problem falling asleep, staying asleep? Or is it trouble waking up, staying awake during the day, mm. right? And and then you kind of have to tease apart, is there a disorder? Is it schedule? Is it circadian rhythm mismatch? You know, I think one of the things that surprises a lot of people is when we talk about what normal sleep onset latency is, right? People say, you know, my husband puts his head on the pillow and he's out. Normal sleep onset latency is like 15 to 30 minutes. So if it takes you more than a half hour to fall asleep, that's one thing. But if you fall asleep in 20 minutes, that's normal and that's okay. And rest is okay. (laughs) You know, it doesn't have to be like Chris was saying, it's okay to like close your eyes and think and just sort of drift off. And that is a, okay. It's not a race. But in terms of things like say uh, prostate issues, or obstructive sleep apnea, are those things worked out before they even get to you guys? Or is that something you guys also have to sort of manage? That's us, baby. That's us. It's like what she said, it's sort of, you know, prostate issue. If somebody says, look, I pee once during the day, you know, 38 times during the night might be sleep apnea. If somebody says I 
pee 38 times. Every 15 minutes, I'm going to the bathroom. Maybe that's more prostate. So it's kind of like she was saying, there's the, the round table of sleep is large and there's lots of you know nights that sit at it in terms of different disciplines. So you know, maybe I'm not the best individual to manage your, you know, chronic pulmonary situation at night that's affecting your sleep. But, mm -hmm. you know, sleep touches so many different things that the differentials are always very broad. So we want to, you know, really take a very thorough history and try to figure out what it is. Or like you're saying, it's more of a cognitive anxiety sort of situation where the, the, the bones of your sleep are actually pretty good. You're just not allowing yourself to sort of make it into that process. And part of it, I think, is is sort of addressing expectations. You know, like you had kind of talked about, well, shouldn't I be sleeping eight hours a night? And I can't sleep eight hours a night. I'm sleeping seven and a half. Am I harming myself? Well, I don't know. Are you, you know, are you rested? Are you sleepy? <laughs> right? That You might just be at a seven and a half hour sleeper. And that is okay. You know, I myself am more of like a nine hour sleeper. And you know, I mean, do I ever get nine hours? Not so much. I mean, I have three kids and two dogs and a job, <laughs> but, yeah. but that, yeah. That actually leads me and, and my next question, like how harmful, I mean, we're talking about something that's, it sounds pretty harmful, right? If you don't sleep for a couple of days, you're dead. And so how worried should people be if they're not getting their full rested eight hours? Like, obviously, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a parent and because of the sleep thing, I, I like my sleep and I've heard that kids don't allow you to do that and it's so the only that. reason just so you guys know it's the only reason the only thing preventing me from having children uh but how much should people should i worry about not getting my full eight hours like i know that after 30, 24 hours you're basically driving drunk after 36 hours it's like it's pretty horrible even though we force you doctors to work like 36 hour shifts and expect you to operate but how worried should we be for not getting an eight hour amount of sleep a night or whatever. I think we have to get away from the, just the fixation on the hours. I think we assess yeah. how we feel, right. Yeah. Do you also have really high blood pressure? Right. <laughs> Do you also have, you know, are you falling asleep behind the wheel? Right. right. Are you, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack. Um, but it's interesting but how you kind of brought up long-term mm -hmm. harm. Long -term. Right? I'm talking about like Alzheimer's and, mm -hmm. and all sorts of other diseases that seem to be at least your your chances are increased from a lack of sleep. I, I think there is, I'm not a medical professional, but I think there is a connection between a lack of sleep and developing dementia or Alzheimer's and stuff like that. How worried do we need to be over a long period of time for not getting our eight hours? I would. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST worry about it. I mean, to okay. me, it's, you know, how worried can you be as you're, you know, stuffing yourself with heavily salted lime tortilla chips, but I'm really worried about my sleep. Well, the salt on those tortilla chips is not great for your heart. So to me, it's, I think of everything as a spectrum. Yeah. So in the infrared over here, we have the people who are super worried about their sleep to the point where if they're not in bed and asleep in five minutes, they're already going to the the Alzheimer's research, you know? Right. So, and that's the person who should never read Matt Walker's book because if right. you're already in this red zone at that point, it's going to push you into like the part of the visible spectrum you can't see. And <laughs> the, ultraviolet, the ultraviolet <laughs> spectrum over here are the people who are like, yeah, as long as I get an hour of sleep, I'm good to go. Yeah. No, you're not. Like you're harming yourself and you've got opportunities to get more sleep, but you're choosing to watch more episodes of Succession, which... 
I kind of get. I understand. But at the Very same good. time, it will be there tomorrow for you too. So I'm trying to like reel the red people into this, you know, green spectrum and pull the purple people into the spectrum where you're aware of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like exercise. Like I'm, I'm going to try to exercise every day. I'm going to run my dogs. Like Seema's got her dogs and I'm going to go to the gym and do some stuff. But if it doesn't work out that I can't exercise, I'm not beside myself. I'm like, oh, well, they got away from me or my back's kind of sore. I'm an old man, whatever. I'll work out tomorrow. But it's on my mind. So it's all about caring the appropriate amount. So worry, I don't don't think that that's something we should worry about. I mean, you're walking around the city, you're breathing carcinogens. Should you worry about that? What about the plastic that's building up? There's a lots of things to worry Chris, about. Chris, we're so worried about all of it. We, we can, <laughs> yeah, right. we can multitask. Listen, we're hey, Persian. Have, have, we a can son that. Goes the, have a son that goes to the Naval Academy. So over Thanksgiving, when you're like happy, everybody's around. He's like, conflict with China is probably inevitable. And you're like, <laughs> oh, pass the potatoes. This is a great topic to talk about. You know, so yeah, there's lots of things to worry about. Just control what you can. Okay. Got but a great, I, comfortable bed. You prioritize sleep. And, and, you know, if things get out of your control, whatever, do better tomorrow night. But so it's buy kind a new of, bed. Got it. Yeah. yeah buy a new but bed. every night is a chance to get it right. Sponsored by. Like, yes. <laughs> oh, great, great quote. You <laughs> write you that get, down. It should be on a T-shirt. There you go. But every but night, is, every night is another right. chance to get it right. Hmm. You know, and I think there's two components, though, to address. So one is sort of that subjective or even my fitness tracker says I'm up all night. Mm-hmm. Right. The sort of what we would call paradoxical insomnia where you by EEG criteria, you're actually asleep, but you may be getting little snippets of sleep and you're probably getting a little bit more sleep than you think you are. So that's one thing. And that can be caused by sleep apnea. Uh, And then there's a sort of um, over, you know, worrying about sleep, right? Like it's totally normal to wake up at night. It's just not normal to like drive yourself nuts about it. (laughs) So our pressure to sleep is driven by our circadian rhythm, right? So when we're biologically programmed to fall asleep and to wake up, but also what's called sleep pressure. So sleep pressure builds up from the minute you wake up until you go to sleep, right? So they both peak to push you to sleep. So at mm. four in the morning, right? They're both down. And so, and I do this too sometimes when I wake up and I can't sleep, I'm like, it's just your sleep pressure. Like just chill. <laughs> it it sounds like you both have to deal with a lot of sleep related anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, anxiety causing That's a sleep fair. problem, but also yes. you're dealing with the anxiety created by not sleeping and that doesn't help. It's sort of, I'm, I'm sure a vicious cycle uh, that you guys have to help try and break to, to that end talking about medications. Um, what point do you feel you need to get medications involved in the process and how long can patients be on them without it becoming addictive? Uh, or, or how do you manage that, this, this pathway with medications? I'll bet, and I don't want to answer for Seema, but generally speaking, we're probably on the opposite end of that. The people who come to see us or to come to see me, they've been on the medications. They've been hammered with medications and now either the primary care doctor's concerned because they're not working or they're not working based upon the patient's you know perception of things or there is a concern about them now so we generally speaking i'm not putting people on medications number one i don't believe in them i mean the idea that you need a antidepressant to sleep is not really true it doesn't mean i don't believe in antidepressants or, or medications you know i put people on drugs for restless leg or narcolepsy all the time but the idea that and Seema brought up a really important point is that the perception of the situation is often very different from the reality. And so imagine me going to my doctor saying, I'm putting on a little tummy situation here and I really am yeah, eating I, some strange things. So I need I prenatal say. vitamins because I'm clearly pregnant mm-hmm. or I've got this headache and I think it's, it's a, it's a parasite. So can you give me an antiparasitic? Like n- nobody would ever entertain either one of those thoughts. But Chris, you're male, so you're not pregnant and you don't have a parasite in your brain. Where in the world would you think that? There's many more likely causes of your headache than a parasite. But with insomnia, it's a weird rule change where you go to see your doctor and say, I haven't slept in six days, which is approaching the world record there and very difficult to do, especially looking as good as you do in your doctor's office. You're very likely to get a sleeping pill. So usually we're on the other side of that, of the Mm. pills don't work. I'm tired of being on them. How can you help me? So we're doing all the things to get people off and and sleeping effectively without some sort of sleep aid. Now, if you're saying medications in general, there's a lot of disorders of sleep that require medication. You know, we talk about sleep apnea, you use the CPAP, but 
There's other things that do require thoughtful medication use. And that's one thing, but in terms of sedatives and propofol, like we talked about, there's not a lot of that going on in our clinic, I don't think. So that's interesting because I'm, and I guess it's sort of a little bit different because I practice in Fargo. And so we, you know, are, we do a lot of telemedicine and we've done telemedicine for like since 2008. (laughs) So we've kind of, you know, so we, and there was some study, I forget who did it, but they showed that by the time somebody gets to a sleep person, they want the drugs. And so we sort of live. Yeah. It's interesting. Right. And so then you kind of have to balance that immediacy where the people just, this is what they want, but also sort of plant the seed of, okay, when we start a hypnotic, we have to have an exit strategy and how can we better prepare you for that? Right. So it's like, you you know, you walk out the front door and you trip over the step and you hurt your knee, right? Like, yeah, you need a bandaid, but at some point you need to fix a step. And so we need to do both. And so we kind of implement these steps, right. For like cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia and addressing some of these, you know, sleep misconceptions, while also maybe, yeah, here, here's a medication, but we're going to try it short term. But in the meantime, we're going to do a sleep study and we're going to do this and we're going to mm-hmm. do that. We're going to try to figure this out. And so in terms of, in terms of looking at things objectively, like trying to, cause you're saying it's really hard to objectively measure someone's sleep. And how do you do that? Is it through REM? Can you talk to us about like the stages of sleep and, and uh, tell us a little bit about their importance? Yeah. And and measuring is getting easier. I mean, the consumer technology that measures sleep, what you wear on your wrist, I've got this little device measures my sleep. There's a pad under my mattress. My bed actually tracks sleep or rings, all kinds. So there's, you know, that, that information is becoming more available to a consumer, which is kind of fun, you know, in the sense that I have patients who come all the time and say, I don't sleep, but my tracker says I'm sleeping six hours a night. So I'm not sure what's really going on there. So they have access to some degree of data. You know, we can do sleep studies. And like you said, yeah, the sleep study does a great job of determining what stage of sleep somebody's in. There's you know, light sleep, which we spend about half our night in. And then the other half is sort of split between dreaming and 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 deep sleep and to some configuration of the other. So, you know, we, we have access to that information. In the past, it was always the one sleep study that your insurance paid for on that Tuesday night that you had. But I think that you know, just in my own career, and it sounds like Seema and I have been doing this about the same amount of time. It's just amazing the the leap forward that, you know, patients are coming with just scores of data on their own sleep. They don't know what it means, but you know, here it all is. And is you can you help me sort through it to find the answer I'm looking for? So I, I'm, I'm really excited about that, that individuals have this ability to not, maybe not get the best quality information about a night, but they've got this longitudinal data that we could never create through, what, 30 sleep studies in a row, that would be cost prohibitive and no insurance would touch it. So I think more and more people are really interested in their sleep. And the athletes I work with are absolutely looking to that for performance advantages. And and you asked earlier, how do I know how much sleep I need? You know, one way is to put the aura ring on or whatever Fitbit, Garmin, Withings device, wear it for a month and then ask it, you know, how much sleep am I averaging per 24 hours? And that might help you get a little bit closer to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And what about the, the the stages of REM for our listeners that might really want to deep dive into it? Is there is there really an importance to knowing it other than like deep knowing that there are deeper levels of sleep? Is there is it important to you guys? How do you use that information? How do you use those levels of of, of sleep to to help you know what's going on with the patient or to help them? So it's really interesting. I think if you're talking about consumer sleep technology that we've seen where they used to try to be a little bit more granular about this is stage three, which is Delta sleep. That's a slow wave sleep. It's like where kids grow and you get that really solid sleep It's where we download our short-term memory into long-term memory. Um, REM is, you know, surprisingly active, (laughs) but it's where we have those wonderful watching a movie kind of dreams. And I think somewhere along the way, they kind of figured out that if they're trying to be really, really specific about what sleep stage people are in, it's not always right. And you kind of create this anxiety. And so people sometimes get bad anxiety from their tracker. And there's a term for it. Kelly Barron came up with it. It's called orthosomnia, you know, where you're so obsessed, you've got to get your 10,000 steps and you've got to get your perfect score on your Fitbit or what have you. And so what we've seen in some of the later iterations is now they're not necessarily saying 
what the stages they think are. Because remember, when we do sleep stages, that's an EEG measurement. And so it's hard to figure out what that is based on your wrist, right? But they're kind of telling us, well, are you awake or asleep? Is that more important to know? Right. And I think sometimes the way it portrays the information is it says you got two and a half hours of deep sleep and people come in, they say, oh, we got two and a half hours of deep sleep. And I'm like, OK, but that's that's OK, because that's kind of normal, <laughs> you know, depends on how much you've slept. Right. But I think, you know, we try to overcomplicate things, I think. And I love like I love looking at some of the data that comes out of these devices. Like Chris said, it's a, it's a great way for us to have longitudinal data. But I think what I love the most is that people are are talking about their sleep. And they're actually, you know, now they're on Instagram, they're evangelizing about sleep and look at my lavender, whatever, and my eye mask, and I'm not going out tonight, I'm going to sleep. And I love that. I'll tell you, like, in my, I'm a college professor. And in my classroom, I tell my students that bragging about not sleeping is not interesting. It's yeah. not a cool thing to do. And, oh, I pulled an all nighter. And it's like, that is not the way yeah. to get ahead in university. And no. It's funny because like the medical, I mean, excuse me for calling y'all out, but like the medical, like, I don't know, any resident that I've ever talked to watching my brother go through the residency program when, when he was a doctor and I was living with him, it's like, y'all would go and work for 40 hours in a row treating patients and torturing each other. And it seems like, uh, oh, I, I fell asleep at a stop sign on my way home as an intern. It was my first night on call and I, and somebody had to peep their horn at me. And my immediate thought was, I am such a good little intern. Like I fell asleep at a stop sign. Literally, <laughs> yeah. it, and I was yeah, an intern. It probably about. wasn't until I was a fellow. Yeah. So three years later that I realized how dangerous that is, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But it's that bravado, right? It's that yeah. sort of culture of medicine that I, I feel like maybe they're breaking it now, but we're not, we're far from where we need to be. Yeah, it's better for sure. Um, and people, as you might predict, are, you know, upset about that and will complain about it being easier or whatever, but it's not. How, it's, how it, dare you it, make it, it easier it, for people who came after you? That's it, it's, I mean, that's the general, that's the general problem. Uh, but it, I, I do hope with humans, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think it is on, on its way to getting better. And, you know, med students are doing less overnights generally. Uh, those sorts of things. And you're exactly right, though. You, you know, as as medical students and residents, particularly back when we were training um, and there wasn't the, you know, I was like there the first year they made the 80 hour work rule where you couldn't work more than 80 hours. That was my chief year. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That, was, that was my like, first fellow year. It was what? wild. Mm -hmm. So, so, I mean, we all kind of saw what that was like, you know, um, and I think we all want to fool ourselves as doctors at some point to say, Oh, I know how to get by without sleep. I'm a doctor. But I mean, you can't really train yourself, can you? I mean, I'm assuming Navy SEALs do some crazy stuff to train themselves, but I'm sure it's all short-term gains, right? You can't cheat your body to use less sleep, can you? You know, one of the coolest things so. I think about sleep is, you know, sleep and memory. And part of this talk that Dr. Seisler gave us was he kind of talked about what happens sort of on a cellular level with mice. And he asked us to imagine that our brain is like a big city, like New York City, right? These big, huge, tall buildings and all day long, they're tossing debris out into the alleys. And then the garbage truck is coming and taking all the debris away, right? And what happens with our sleep is the, the buildings shrink and the alleys get really wide. And so it's much easier to remove all that debris. And when you look at that debris, a lot of it is beta amyloid, which is what builds up in Alzheimer's. Mm. So yeah, we might've gotten away with it in our twenties. I mean, we did a lot of stupid things in our twenties, right? <laughs> I don't sure. want to do it again. I don't want to go back to those, you know, Q3 calls in the ICU. Let me, uh, we were Q2. Oh. God, do you remember those? Oh, do you know what that I means? I do remember Shani? those, but yeah. Uh, I just, I just assume that there were two people named Q beating him with some, something. Some That's right. He was Q2. Every hospital has a Q or a couple Qs. Do they have any sure. QTs? No, no cuties. Just in the, the interval. Just yeah. the interval. Then the really um, long ones in the yeah. in the CCU. Yeah. So it, it means every other night. So like yeah. Q three means every third night, for example. So um okay. you spent in the hospital? Yeah, or you're on call or mm -hmm. you did a long yeah. shift or something along those lines. Um okay, let me shift gears a little bit here. Uh let's let's talk about alcohol. Alcohol has become from my perspective as a hepatologist, I've seen a, a lot more 
um, alcohol related injury over the last couple of years. It's been climbing before that, but right. in the last couple wow. of years of COVID, I've, um, it's it's become a little bit more dramatic than what I've seen. Um, I'm assuming I know a little bit about this, but I, you know, it's been a long time since I've looked at the sleep literature. How does alcohol affect the sleep cycles? Because I know a lot of people will drink and they'll feel like they're going to get more sleep because of it. They'll, they'll sleep longer or something, but it it doesn't actually improve your sleep, does it? No, especially in a chronic situation, which most, I mean, most people who are drinking are drinking regularly. I mean, I'm sure there's people who, you know, if they'll drink, they'll drink at the holidays or something. And so there is some evidence that says, yeah, ac acutely alcohol, you know, in a small amount might actually enhance deep sleep, at least in the first half of the night. The problem is when the alcohol is metabolized, it does a lot of negative things to your sleep on the back end. So, and then when you start, you know, sort of adding the drinks and creating more of a chronic alcohol ingestion picture, everything kind of goes to pieces. So the problem with alcohol as with a lot of sleep aids is if you're measuring sleep based upon speed of unconsciousness, sure. Yeah. I mean, bourbon might be the best sleep aid ever. Just drink enough of it and suddenly you're unconscious, which is what everybody <laughs> wants. I want to get in bed and become unconscious as quickly as possible. And I don't want to wake up to go to the bathroom as we've already talked about, you know, even though alcohol is a diuretic. So I think that when we have these sort of distorted visions of, oh, Frank's a good sleeper because every time he sits down, he goes right to sleep. Doesn't matter what situation he's in. Man, he's a great sleeper because he can sleep anywhere versus Jennifer takes her some 20, even 30 minutes to fall asleep. Oh, what are we going to do for her? Because she's killing herself. I actually think Jennifer is a much healthier situation there than, than the other guy. So until we can get out from under, what can we do to get sleep faster and, and, and not be awake at all in bed? I think alcohol will continue to be, and I think it is still the number one sleep aid in this country, which is problematic. And then it makes your sleep apnea worse too. Big time. <laughs> so bad. But you're not aware of it, which is really nice. As you're suffocating to death, you're blissfully, you know, somewhere else, you know, in mm. your mind. It's not just alcohol though, right? The, the people, people smoke weed to help them sleep as well. Is that mm -hmm. any different? Like are the other, you know, drugs yeah. that you can use? Is that great question? Different? So it's interesting. I live in so I live in Minnesota. I work in Fargo, North Dakota. And Minnesota is the that. only state where you can do medical marijuana for obstructive sleep apnea. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's based it. on that Dranabinol study. So they did a study on, um, there's a medication called Dranabinol or Marinol, which is what used to give kids um, to pre-medicate before chemo. And what they found is that it did help with the sleep apnea. It did help people feel better, but it's not like a gigantic amount. And so I have no idea how it got passed. I saw it on the news and I was like, hang on, what now? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's somehow acting acting centrally uh, for central sleep apnea, not obstructive. No, uh, mm -hmm. And there and are it, clinical trials now, not on pod, but there are medications that are undergoing trials now that open up your, your airway to treat obstructive sleep apnea. So in three to five years, maybe we will be writing a prescription to treat obstructive sleep apnea. What's the proposed mechanism behind that? Ah, so is, one- is there one? It, yeah. So it, so one medication, you know, it's, it's oxybutynin and like Stratera basically. And so the idea is that it opens up your airway by, by hitting two different areas. Um, and so they've done trials and they found that using just the one made your sleep too fragmented and it wasn't enough and people didn't feel better, but by using this combination, it actually reduces how many times they hold their breath per hour and they feel better. And so this is a really interesting trial. So maybe in the next three to five years, we will be writing a prescription to help treat obstructive sleep apnea. So it's interesting. We'll, we'll have to see where the trial goes. Chris, you were going to say something. I was going to say, you know, I think that in general, the majority of people who are tending to use marijuana, we see a lot in the sports that, that we deal with, are just using it to wind down, fall asleep quicker. It's, it's again, just sort of a sedative. And you know, it's interesting looking at Major League Baseball, they've gone from being a banned substance, you're allowed to use it, to sort of permissive to now, I think this year, there is actually a preferred CBD cannabis distributor, and, and they've got a sponsorship with Major League Baseball. It's, it's fascinating how far it's yeah. come, but I, I don't think chronic use really does a lot of positive things for sleep outside of 
you know, for individuals, we've talked a lot about anxiety kind of relaxes mm-hmm. them and kind of puts them in a place where they're maybe a little bit better of a mindset to, you know, we, we do a very good job of getting people amped up in life. You know, let's get fired up before the volleyball game as seem as kids are coming back. We ripped them to shreds. We killed them. <laughs> they were so terrible. We blew them away, but we don't do a good job of helping kids like that settle. Okay. Now mm-hmm. you've beaten the crap out of this, you know, other North Dakota volleyball team that's terrible and we won and that's important. And now we've got to relax and get settled down because we have to do a little bit of homework and go to bed. We don't do a good job of that. And so people find them themselves and pitching for the Los Angeles Dodgers and having no idea what to do with that energy after the big game, because it's not something that we really teach people. So I can see why people would want a shortcut like, you know, CBD or marijuana to kind of help them settle very quickly because that's not a skill they really possess. That's funny. That's what Michael Jackson would talk about. He'd be so amped up after a show that he would take. He wouldn't sleep for a couple of days. So that's really interesting. Yeah. And just to be clear, the the dronabinol stuff is, um, or sorry, the the medication that I was talking about isn't dronabinol to keep your airway open. Mm -hmm. That's like a separate Mm -hmm. thing. But it's a marijuana based compound. Nope. Nope. It's oxybutynin and stratera. Okay. So the dronabinol is separate. So that was based on, um, on different studies that showed that you did get an improvement in how many times you hold your breath per hour and people slept better. So that's sort of a separate medication in Minnesota you can use. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and really, and that's how it got translated to medical marijuana. It's not the same thing, but I think we're all good, very that, interested. That's a good Twitter poll. I you see. want marijuana or a CPAP device? Well, but it's, like, and that's it. I like, right? I like that. And so yeah, it's, really. but it's interesting because we know like there was some basic science researcher that showed that cannabis will suppress REM sleep which for us in the sleep world is important when we're dealing with narcolepsy, like kids who are really, really sleepy during the day. One of the tests that we do is we do that overnight sleep study to make sure they don't have sleep apnea or anything like that. But then we ask them to stay the next day and do a series of naps. And what we're looking for is if they go from being awake to hitting REM on a couple of those naps, because we know it usually takes, you know, an hour and a half, two hours to go from being awake to hitting REM. So if they hit REM really early on those naps for us, that fits with narcolepsy, but now you introduce a substance that might be suppressing REM. Yeah. And then when they're off of the substance, they get REM rebound. So it can really impact things. So Seba, if someone, a kid comes to you and is like, Hey, I heard on the Joe Rogan podcast, which I listen to all the time. Cause I like to open my mind and I'm intellectual. And um, <laughs> they said that marijuana helps you sleep. Um, should I try it? What do you, what do you say to them? You know, this comes up a lot for us. I'm actually really interested in in seeing what happens if they actually study it, because I want to know, how do I dose it? What are the side effects? <laughs> what do we do long-term? What about short-term? I'm, I'm very interested by it. Anything that helps our patients sleep, I think is helpful now is a trade-off. Just like we talked about with alcohol. I'm not sure that trade-off helps, right? Yeah, you might fall asleep. Or like Chris says, like your race to falling asleep, you might win, but it's not great sleep and your sleep apnea is worse. So we, we always have a conversation about it though. Where do you usually end up on that conversation? Is it usually like, let's, let's try and find a way to get to sleep without mm-hmm. the marijuana or. Mm-hmm. I do have, I do have a few little ladies though, that make um, marijuana um, cookies with the butter. Oh man. <laughs> All right. One last question for you guys. Maybe this is the one, maybe you've already answered it with this last question, but what would you say are the biggest controversies right now in the sleep world? What's or what's the biggest controversy? Biggest and controversy. if there if there isn't one, that's reasonable too. Let's start one. Let's start one. <laughs> I, mean, I think I think we can are unnecessary. You know, let's start one. Uh, is this how yeah, QAnon start? started? Yeah, this is exactly. Just that that pillows about. are a big lie. Okay, they're just a big <laughs> lie. You don't actually need a pillow. Just Target wanted to sell some more things. No, so problem. who knew pillows would become so political, right? Yeah, exactly. No kidding. Jeez. <laughs> oh, All right, I'll take that as there's no massive controversies. Everything seems pretty cool in the world of sleep. Um, all right, you guys have been super duper helpful, and you guys are awesome. Let's let me make sure we plug things very hard. Let's plug. I want to plug intensely here, Sima. Where can people find you? Please tell us where. Spoken like and, a true GI doctor. And I how. <laughs> I, I mostly want to unplug. And, and mainly honest, unplug. Uh, what, mostly what I'm trying that. to do. What? Where can people find you? How can they find you? Why? Why find you? Tell us. Okay. So I am going to do the opposite. Don't find me, but please listen to our ASM podcast. It's called Talking Sleep. Um, and it's from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. 
Um, I am just a solo practitioner in Fargo with my very small practice. So you definitely don't need to find me. it's smart it's smart you're wicked smart what am i what am i being invited on this podcast i want to talk about you i want to go on your your sleep podcast this sounds fun what do people i think you should i think you should tell us how sleep intersects with gi i think it's really fascinating yeah yeah okay i'm in i'm in all right chris where can people find you where can people learn more about all that is chris yeah so if you're not interested in great information about sleep and and Seema's podcast is is really outstanding it's called talking sleep and you should listen to it it's she's done a lot of episodes she's a really good host she picks really interesting topics she makes it such that if you don't really understand a lot about sleep it's meaningful to you if you're a super sleep nerd it's super meaningful to you as well too so i really should you should find her on there it's it's, it's so chris, chris was actually our first guest so go listen to that one there you go. <laughs> That's right. and they've improved so much it's been gotten so much better like that was the, i'm gonna i was, I'm mainly, gonna I was mainly an audio check that's what it was, it was <laughs> that's good tell me what you had for breakfast kind of thing um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at DR Chris winner. That's a lot of fun. I love interacting with people on there. I've got a podcast. It's called sleep unplugged. It's, it's a little bit more off the rails than that, but we try to try to you know, make a, an effort to do something fun and enter- entertaining and educational once a week. And I actually really enjoyed it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. My daughter a... produces it. And so that's fun. The audio quality Ooh. is about that of a mayday distress signal, but Outside ridiculous. of that, maybe it's maybe it I, need a better, I need a better microphone R- or something. Ridiculous. No, it sounds pretty good. What a silly concept trying to make like medical stuff entertaining and fun. Oh, dude, you're going nowhere with it. What a <laughs> so ridiculous silly. idea. Um, yeah, it's Tahin the dream. Where, 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 and why, and who? I, I specifically don't want anyone to find me for any reason. I've just gotten Never. off of socials, and part of it is because they were hurting my sleep. I was doom scrolling and not sleeping. And so I am done with the socials. Uh, I'm trying to keep my eight hours. And that's, that's the, that's one of the reasons that I directed a whole show about it. It's something that's super important to me. Yeah. You doom scroll all night long. You're doesn't, nothing's important to you after a while. Uh, That's it. That's all I got. I don't want you to find me. What do you teach? Uh, I teach communication studies. I coach a speech and debate team. We just won a national championship oh, on Sunday. Congratulations! Oh, big yeah, time. Love it. Thirteenth one. So it was, it was it was awesome. Oh jeez! Wow, you're a yes. dynasty. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, we it are sure now is. the winningest team in the country, which is awesome. And uh, a couple years ago, I did a an entire 25 minute show about sleep, and it freaked <gasps> my shit out. Um, it, it was very successful to show, but it definitely freaked me out. Matthew Walker's book absolutely scared the piss out of me um, and gave me some sleep anxiety, as you have rightly implied. <laughs> um, but it also taught me all kinds of things that I that I now teach my students every single semester. You know, awesome. Get rid of your phone. Uh, your pillow's probably gross. Um, use an eye mask. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. Good sleep Watch hygiene. Case. Yep. Good sleep hygiene. People don't think about it like hygiene, but that's mm-hmm. probably the way that they should, I guess. That's right. awesome. You talk to college students about that. It's great. Every day. You got it. He's a beautiful young man. We're very I proud of him. So we're very, cool. we're very, very proud of him. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. We're definitely going to check out these podcasts. I'm very excited to hear more from you guys. Thank you both so much. And we'll talk again soon. Bye, friends. You were awesome. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Good talking to you. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified health care provider for your specific health care needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.